We're all in this together, but is your organisation showing its true colours? Help is at hand. This is the CIPD's Coronavirus Survival Podcast. Hello, I'm Nigel Cassidy. So, how was your day? Trying to make sense of ever-changing crisis decisions that you have to make work. Maybe breaking bad job news, putting staff on government furloughs, or worse. Or trying to G up a scattered, isolated and scared workforce. And yes, all this when people managers are worried about their own family's health, about feeding, finances and future employment. Some in HR will be glad that they previously did some disaster planning, but we all sense that when this finally eases, the world of work will never be quite the same again. Joining me online, three top guests with unique insights on business survival in the age of COVID-19, each suitably holed up, I know not where. Jaimini Lakani is of Lumiere Consulting. She was on the crisis team dealing with the transatlantic bomb scare at Heathrow in 2006, the one that changed the way we travel. She was also head of organisational engineering for Terminal 5 and has helped a string of big name companies redesign how they do things. Next, look busy because here comes the boss. It's our CIPD chief executive, Peter Cheese, who writes and speaks widely on the future of work, leadership, people and skills. But first, let's go to someone from a £4 billion fresh food business in the eye of the storm. David Frost is Director of Organisational Design at Total Produce, who work in 39 countries, bringing fruit and veg, exotic and otherwise, from field and farm to consumer. David, let me start with you. It's been fascinating to see this new overnight respect that we have for the people who can't work from home and have to soldier on, keeping us supplied. I mean, really, they come next on the list, don't they, after NHS workers? Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, it's been a massive change, an incredibly rapid change. In, in our business, we do have a combination of people that can work from home, can work remotely, but also we have a, a lot of our colleagues who need to stay within our operations to grade the produce that we supply and to pack the produce and, of course, then to distribute it onwards to our customers. So it's, it's a real mixed situation for us. And we've also had huge volumes going through the business that supplies our retail customers as well. We've all seen the huge demand that retailers have been put under with the supply of food. So um, we've got a situation where some colleagues are very quickly adapted to working from home, uh, using technology very, very quickly, and then others who are going in but looking after themselves, wearing protective equipment wherever possible to obviously protect themselves from from infection. So, yeah, it's um, something that's affected us all over the world. We saw it happening in our markets in in Italy very quickly, uh, where we operate, and then coming through Spain, and of course then we're monitoring very closely as it develops into uh, UK, Ireland and the US. Now, Jamie, the rest of us uh, either have no work or we're trying to work from home. And we know that CIPD polling says that uh, there's a lot of anxiety about that. And that's the worst problem, uh, not least because of those school closures. Now, it's obviously partly about the available technology, but give us some thoughts about how you think organisations are managing this so far and how they could make this scattered working a bit more productive. It's a really, um, it's a really good question. I mean, interestingly, I thought that I would uh, have quite a lot of difficulty uh, doing the work that I do in terms of organisation design. Um, if you ask any organisation design specialist, they will tell you that what they really want to do is they want to get a feel for the place. Um, and getting a feel for the place is about being in that place, being able to experience the, the multi-sensory 
of doing that. But I have two clients at the moment, one uh, in Singapore. Uh, I was actually due to fly out there early February. Um, and very early on, when we started to see the, uh, the escalation of the virus um, in Singapore, uh, my client and I decided to cancel uh, my visit to Singapore, but, but deci- decided to go ahead. So we chartered uh, new waters, really, to be able to do organization design with me sitting in the UK, um, trying to work with a client team in Singapore. And for that entire project, we used uh, the Google platform, we used Zoom technology, uh, we did semi-workshops. Um, so I think what I'm finding is um, when there is no other option, that really clients and colleagues are adapting and they're finding different ways in which to communicate. So I've used WebEx, I've used the good old telephone, uh, I've used Zoom, uh, I've used the Google platform, and, and we're all getting a lot more proficient, I think, with different technologies. Okay, well, let's go to Peter Cheese. I've seen managing remote workers being described as conducting an orchestra without seeing or hearing any of the musicians. I mean, clearly some organisations have always had remote working, but um, suddenly it's forced on everybody and there's this scattered workforce. Yeah, it creates, of course, different management challenges, as as Jamie's touched on. Um, But it's also true to say, of course, many organisations have had yeah, you know, some parts of their workforce or some workers working in, in remote ways. But oh my goodness, oh my goodness, is this the biggest trial of home working that we've ever had? Um, and it is, of course, stretching us in lots of ways. But I think it is also calling out some very fundamental things which are important for leadership and management everywhere. Our ability to remain connected to people, to care and worry about their welfare, because this is not just about the work they do, but recognising that their well-being, their mental health and well-being is all of our responsibilities. So there are all the technologies, as Jamie said, but it is, is, I think, really calling out the need for some very fundamental good management and leadership practice, which is to keep in touch, keep connected, to share things and to use technology uh, to, to make all those things happen and work for us in different ways. So there's no doubt we're all learning. And, and I think there's a lot of debate about will we all go back to the old ways of working or what are we going to take forwards? Because sometimes you need a crisis to jolt us all into a different way of thinking. And, and I think a lot of the barriers to flexible and home working have not been about technology they've been a lot more about our cultures and our ways of thinking and very long long established paradigms of work which begin with an idea of presenteeism to your point that managers don't feel that they can trust what their employees are doing or know what they're doing unless they can see them in front of them and that's has to change it had to change anyway and this crisis is demanding that we think differently and connect with our people and understand how they're working in these different ways Yes, I mean, I completely agree with everything that, that's been said. We, we've seen some uh, really interesting mindset shifts, I think, where people who have historically travelled regularly during the week, they'll jump on a plane into different parts of Europe or North America, and people are already saying, you know, we can do this differently. We don't need to keep doing that. Isn't it amazing how effective that Zoom meeting was and people actually finding they're quite enjoying it, which which is really interesting. So that's a really big shift. The other thing that I've noticed is, uh, for example, speaking with a colleague yesterday in Hamburg who has responsibility for a, for a German operation and an Italian operation. He's staying in really close contact with our colleagues in Italy who are now home working. And he's been really, really conscientious to run regular uh, Zoom meetings, uh, they'll have coffee breaks and informally chat about how the family's doing, really, really working hard at that. But he's noticed 
three cycles he's describing. He said that the first week or, or, or 10 days, people were, were finding this quite novel. They were, they were quite enjoying it, actually. It was nice to have a bit of time at home and, and uh, do a few things that perhaps you wouldn't do. Uh, the, the second phase was normality. It's kind of normal now. We're getting used to this. It's, it's fine. And he's just noticing now as things are moving on that colleagues are starting to feel a little bit perhaps uh, removed. They, they're seeking company. He had one individual, for example, that's moved in with a, a larger group of her family because she needs to be with some people and starting to get a little bit agitated as to when do you think this is going to start to change? When can I have some human contact again? So I think, I think it's an interesting one. People are making use of technology, but there's that human side as well that we're seeing, which I think is worth just perhaps just noting. Now, Jamie Nilakani, I'd like to turn to what I think is maybe one of the trickiest issues for people, professionals. It's how you handle situations where your legal or your professional duty overrides your caring instincts. You know, when you're obliged to deliver bad news to people. And uh, the CIPD tell us that these decisions do weigh on people very heavily. Um, I mean, I guess the if I can just touch on the human aspect of it, I think one of the interesting things that I'm finding is because we all have a commonality uh, with regards to the coronavirus in terms of what we're dealing with. Um, And so naturally, as I'm approaching clients that I've never seen before, that I've never met before, and all of a sudden there is this automatic common denominator to be able to connect with each other in a very human way with such a a serious topic uh, as it is in and of itself. Um, So I think that 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 has been quite interesting to me to watch the dynamics um, of talking to different leadership teams. Well, okay, you're taking quite an optimistic view of that. But Peter Cheese, organisations are often making quite hasty decisions. This accountability really is making people feel quite isolated. I mean, there's so little time to think and an overwhelming urgency to act. So how do you balance those two sides of your role? Yeah, it, it's a really important question because you're right. I mean, the, the, the realities of the current situation, indeed, you know, the, the other economic cycles where you're forced into a position of having to make these very tough choices about potentially letting people go engender very difficult conversations. But you can do them in human ways too. I mean, uh, I've worked with organisations that have gone through downsizing in the past and come out of it with more trust in the organisation, not less, because the way they've gone about it, the way they've communicated, the way they've engaged, even with the people that are perhaps losing their jobs. So I think in this crisis, it's a lot about how you do the thing, the right things in the right way. And if you have to take the hard choices about redundancy, then how do you communicate that effectively and make sure that you are retaining the trust of people? And, and I've been saying that, you know, I think in, in these times, you've got to balance sort of three really important things. One, as HR professionals, one, of course, are the financial imperatives. And, and you know, one of the good things, and we'll probably talk about it a bit more, is that there are new mechanisms being created, like furloughing, which is allowing us to be able to sustain our workforce even when there's a period of time when historically we would probably just have to let them go. So you've got the financial imperatives. We've certainly got to understand the legal imperatives and there are a lot of legal issues in all of this and ranging from consultations and other things that you have to be able to go through effectively. But the third and equally important is the ethical or moral 
and, and we've got to balance all of those three things. And that, that is a, it's a challenge for us all. But I think if we do these things right and do them in the right way and do them ethically and, and, and communicate effectively, that we can ride, you know, ride out this storm and, and hopefully emerge stronger in many ways uh, through what is a, um, you know, a crisis that's bringing of, of all of these different experiences that we've had as a profession to a head in one place at one time with some very, very critical decisions that need to be made very quickly. And David Frost, we've all seen the reputational damage that can be done if you're too hasty, too cavalier with your workers. I mean, yes, Britannia Hotels, Weatherspoon, Sports Direct, Bosses, we're talking about you. Yeah, I mean, we, we have been impacted, as I mentioned earlier on, in, in um, increased volumes in some respects. So we have colleagues who, who are working incredibly long hours to fulfil customers' order requirements. That, that's put people under pressure uh, from a, a demand point of view. But we also have a, a part of our business that supplies restaurants and catering establishments. And of course, they've seen volumes drop. Um, so we, we have had to use the furlough process um, in that situation with a number of colleagues. And really building on Peter's point, we absolutely recognise how critical the communication is in terms of how people uh, uh, dealt with, how we explain the situation, listen to their concerns. But also another, I think, important point is staying in regular contact with those colleagues as well to update them on the situation so they, they feel very much still in contact with the business. They are still part of the business. So I think having that mindset and, and following that through is really important. We've also seen how creative colleagues have been as well. So, for example, where we have a, an area of our business that's maybe underutilised, very quickly turning that into a, a service operation for customers who need help in different ways. So we're, we're utilising assets uh, in a different way, and I think that that's fantastic. The other uh, area I think that we always see, and I, I think any crisis, is, is actually how if you're honest with colleagues, you're really open and you listen, share the reality. People are remarkably supportive, um, remarkably resilient if um, you, you treat people with, with, with respect. And um, I think that's where it, re it really just highlights those different leadership styles, actually. And um, I think people will, will look back and they will, will remember how they were treated. As, and as, as back to what Peter said, you know, we, you can build trust, actually, at times like this as well. So I've seen huge pressure that HR colleagues have been particularly put under who were trying to really quickly learn about uh, legal issues they've never had to deal with before, consult very quickly and consult remotely. And I think probably it's important to remember those colleagues as well who have been really at the front line and in incredibly challenged. Jamie, people are being forced to do things differently, creatively. I mean, my doctor sent me for an x-ray, got me drugged up and sorted out uh, all on the phone. I mean, why go back to the cumbersome old system? There's a pub near us, which is closed, but it's sending out not-for-profit cooked pub meals to isolated people five ago. We've had car engineers designing and making ventilators, booze firms making sanitizer, coffee shops turning into grocers. Um, how can we try and hold on to this kind of creativity? I think what we're seeing now is incredible creativity, incredible innovation. I think when we're pressed to really look at our processes, look at how we do things, um, and from an organization design standpoint, you know, we're always working with organizations to sort of say, think about your core activities, think about what's really essential, think about your critical decisions, you know, let's think about who needs to make them. And, and when you're not pressed with a crisis, so, you know, really fan interesting scenario, when you're not pressed with a crisis, 
um, you tend to take more time. But of course, you know, some of the choices and decisions that businesses are making, individuals are making, um, even whole organizations. I mean, in many cases, you know, we can see it. This is, these are a matter of life and death. And when you're really pushed to it, um, you can find ways to really streamline those processes. So I, I think there will be, I mean, I hope there will be a calibration, an ability to look back at some of those um, activities, the way in which teams have worked together, the what worked, the what didn't, um, and really try and build in that innovation into the processes. I think people are experiencing um, a very different way of working. And I think, I think you know, uh, humans are, are resilient. I think we'll come back from that and we'll make better choices about how we do things better going forward. That's my hope. Peter, all this is pretty raw at the moment. Is it too soon for organisations to learn from everything that's happening to them? No, I don't think it is. Uh, I think we're already learning things. I mean, I've heard people comment that if it all blew over and we went back to work next week even, would would we not take forward some of these learnings from things like we've already talked about, like agile work and remote work, and think about these things differently? So I I don't think it's it's too early, but of course, yeah, you know, there are many other things that I think can emerge from this crisis that could be very positive. Uh, the idea of you know the centrality of humanity at work and well-being, people being treated as whole people, um, you know, flexible work, and we've talked about a lot of these sorts of ideas, which they're not new, and we've been talking about them arguably for too long, but not seen enough really systemic change, and I think. It's that old adage, you don't let a good crisis go to waste. This crisis will drive, I'm absolutely sure of it, some really fundamental rethinks about what's important. And at the end of the day, what could be more important than people? Um, And how you treat them, how you manage them, you're building the trust, you're getting the best out of them, and you are understanding them as people and supporting them as as individuals. And, And I think it's those sorts of things which would be very central to what we learn, along with recognizing we can do some extraordinary things. I mean, it doesn't always have to be a crisis uh, to, to make us innovate and to think differently. But, but a crisis, as, as Jamie said, can help us innovate much more. So I think, you know, it, we've got a long way to go for sure. But I think we're already seeing signs of things which uh, I think will endure as positive changes in the workplace. David Frost, I was intrigued to see more than one mention of solidarity on your Total Produce website. I mean, your company's a tough global player, but as we try and draw some conclusions here, I want to get a bit more of this sense of a a new mood. It's like the new politics. It's almost as if pure business goals are bowing to something a bit bigger. Yes, I mean, it's absolutely true. Our group CEO uh, released a communication out to the the whole group uh, last week and made direct reference actually to to the the greater purpose in our organization uh, for example around it you know around providing healthy food to people and how how critical that is at a time like this and i, I just think that's something that's tied everyone together it's reminded everybody of of what they bring to the wider community and it's fascinating to see how people have just connected with each other an awful lot more and i've just noticed people um, making a call or a video conference just to see how you're doing and just to have a chat in a way that I may not have seen somebody for a month. Now I'm speaking with them every other day just to make sure you're OK. And I just think it has shifted those mindsets. I've also just noticed as well, I was in a meeting today with, with three other colleagues. We had a two hour Zoom meeting and we've never done it before with this particular team. And two or three occasions during this, this two hour session, people just paused and said, isn't this good? 
isn't this working well? But the other thing we said was, look, what, what have we noticed? What we noticed is that people were listening a lot more carefully. We noticed that if we'd been in a room together, people would interrupt a little bit more. But with this technology, you have to kind of give people their space and listen. We realised if an interruption kind of disrupts the whole process. People were asking really great questions as well. So it just made us think about those coaching skills we perhaps had been taught a few years ago. We need to brush up on those a little bit and we naturally use those a little bit more in the way that we're working as well. So just two or three things that people have noticed that are different. And I hope that will continue as well. Well, Jamie Nilakani, this is really nothing new, is it? This notion that successful organisations have goals beyond the pure profit motive. But what I want to know is how do organisations try and bottle what they're achieving? My sense is that because this has become uh, so interconnected, not just within organisations, but organisations interconnected with other organisations outside of their own boundaries. So um, in this time of crisis where people are working together with their own companies, but linking into humanity, understanding the dependencies that we all have on each other, even strangers for this particular cause, my sense is that we're all going to have imprinted um, in our minds this organisational memory. Uh, Whereas previously, uh, we might have thought that the, the decisions were made, um, you know, by management or by leadership. And I think we have all of us are having a leadership lesson because we're not only having to manage our own personal well-being, our family well-being, but we're coming together as communities. Um, and my sense is that that's going to leave a lasting imprint um, in our minds. And so how do we bottle it? I think we're bottling it every day. I think our behaviours are changing. And almost by that very nature, we won't go back to the way that we were, because it'll just be it'll just be habit. It'll be ingrained behaviours. And meanwhile, Peter Cheese, what can the government, what can organisations do to make sure that as many people as possible are upheld to at the very least return to their organisations when all this is over? Yeah, I think first of all, governments, it's, it's been encouraging to see how much yeah, you know, we've all recognised the health crisis is very rapidly leading into the biggest economic crisis that we've known. And one of the really important things that government's been talking a lot about everywhere is that we need to make sure the businesses can bounce back and as we get past the crisis that they can recover quickly. Um, and therefore, providing these pay subsidy schemes and so forth to help organisations to find other ways to hold on to their employees, even where the demand has dropped significantly, uh, are a very important part of that. And we're still, you know, there's still some details to be worked through and lots of questions on things like the furloughing schemes. But we know from our own work that the majority of companies are now looking at furloughing and even where they'd made redundancies in the first sort of um, rush of concern in the, in the beginning of this crisis in sectors like hospitality even there they're looking at saying well actually I could bring those people back onto my books I could furlough them they don't have to be made redundant so this is a, a time when we're all having to work it together we are all in this together and government's response to step up in ways that we've never seen to support businesses support the economy as well as of course support the health of our people uh, are two really really critical aims and objectives and so you know it'd be fascinating to see what you know if this really does continue for a longer period of time do we end up with more nationalized industries where whole sectors or industries are having to be bailed out to use the you know the 
language is the last financial crisis. It, it, we don't know yet, but what we are seeing is, I think, governments everywhere recognising that you have to do all you can to step in to avert, as far as possible, huge damage on people's jobs and livelihoods, as well as, of course, protecting them from the health side. And businesses need to respond to that. And as I said before, you know, one of our challenges in the profession and something we're trying to do all we can as the CIPD is to understand all these different schemes and understand all these different options and what are the right choices to make in response to, you know, to the crisis and what's right for my business. And that, that's challenging, but you know, we've got more options now in terms of sustaining our workforces probably than we've ever had before. And that's something we all need to, to work on. So what are we taking from what we've heard here? Well, certainly for me, we're all being forced to prioritise, to look outwards and not inwards. And, and people, professionals, have never been more important in supporting a worried workforce. Let's just thank Jamini Lacani of Lumiere Consulting, David Frost from Total Produce and the CIPD's chief, Peter Cheese. Do let us have your thoughts and comments through the usual CIPD channels or LinkedIn is good. And don't forget to keep checking that CIPD website. There's loads of constantly updated coronavirus resources on stuff like government aid, sick leave, furlough decisions, your legal responsibilities, a ton of other things. But for now, from me, Nigel Cassidy, till next time, goodbye and stay safe.